But when I've approached Alcoholics Anonymous expecting that AA was going to give me something, oftentimes I've walked away feeling worse than I did when I got there. Well, hello, friends of Bill W. and other friends. You have landed on Sober Speak. My name is John M. I am an alcoholic, and we are glad you are all here, especially newcomers. Newcomers, that is, both to recovery as a whole and newcomers to this podcast. Sober Speak is a podcast about recovery centered around the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. My job here on Sober Speak is simple. My job is to provide a platform to the amazing stories of recovery all around us. Consider Sober Speak, if you will, your meeting between meetings. Please remember, we do not speak for AA or any 12-step community. We represent only ourselves. We are here to share our experience, strength, and hope with those who wish to come along for the ride Take what you want and leave the rest at the curb for the trash man to pick up. Hello, my little chickadees. From Studio A, deep in the heart of Texas, that was the voice of Mr. Jimmy D that you heard right at the beginning of this episode on this here episode number 224. 224 and you are going to be hearing so much more from Jimmy D in just a moment but first things first this episode is coming out to you brought to you by sponsored by if you will Michelle and John John K that is not me John and Adrian and Kelly do you know what Michelle And John and Adrian and Kelly did. Well, let me fill you in. They went to our website, www.soberspeak.com, and they clicked on our little yeller donate tab, and they made a, a contribution. So thank you so much, Michelle and John and Adrian and Kelly. This episode is coming right out to youans, and you can't see me, but I'm pointing straight ahead like you guys are sitting right across the table from me here. Nonetheless, I, John M., just another bozo on the bus, will indeed be the chairperson for this meeting between meetings, and I am truly honored and privileged to serve all of you listening in. So take a seat, if you will, around this virtual table and let's get started. Remember, no matter who you are or what your past looks like, you are welcome here. It is an open table for all and we are so glad you have joined us. I know there are so many things that you all could be doing with your time, and I am excited that you have come to spend it here with me and Mr. Reno John today. Excuse me, you know, I just said Reno John. Why did I say that? Well, he's been on a few episodes lately, but 
I actually meant Jimmy D. So, you know, and here's the deal. Could I go back and edit that out? Yeah, sure. Get it just perfect, just right. But I'm not gonna, right? We're just gonna roll with it today. Anyway, um, Jimmy D is coming back at you again. I know so many of you love Mr. Jimmy D. I do as well. He was kind enough to come over here to Studio A and record with me here recently. And we're gonna do a little traditions talk. This is about tradition one of Alcoholics Anonymous. Just in case you're new to the program or you don't know what the tradition one of Alcoholics Anonymous is, it is our commonwealth, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon AA unity. And in fact, when you go into the super secret Facebook group, by the way, if you want to join that, uh, just go to a secret Facebook group, excuse me, sober speak secret group on in Facebook and uh, look us up there and ask for permission to join the group and we will let you in. Anyway, if you go in there, it says, what are the rules yeah, you, you always have to post something like that in uh, the Facebook group rules, and I believe I have that posted up there. Our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon AA unity. But anyway, Jimmy D, we're going to talk about a lot of things. It says, "Are we in 1936 again?" And what does that mean? Jimmy poses that question. Are we in 1936 again? And what exactly does that mean? We tackle the question, is Alcoholics Anonymous a self-help program? We talk about a subject uh, Jimmy D calls meeting-based sobriety and what that means. We just, we talk about the AA preamble and some recent changes with the wording of the preamble. I don't know if you're aware of that, uh, but it's been a, a, you know, a topic of conversation in a lot of AA groups across the country. Nonetheless, ladies and gentlemen, I present to you Mr. Jimmy D, and we will have plenty of listener feedback at the end of this episode. Enjoy Jimmy. Jimmy D, so good to see you again, my friend. <laughs> I know people are going to see your name on this episode and just be so delighted that you are back with us. So thank you for coming back. So uh, Jimmy D is here, everybody. So Jimmy D, why don't you go ahead, introduce yourself, give your name, give your sobriety date if you wish, and also tell people where you live. My name's Jimmy D. I'm alcoholic, member of Alcoholics Anonymous. I've been sober since August the 25th of 1997. I'm thankful for that. And, uh, and I'm from Dallas, Texas. And so we were just talking beforehand. It has been a while since we have gotten together. You were up yes. here in what I refer to as Studio A. Studio A. <laughs> which is a combination. It's a multi-purpose room, right? That's right. right. If you look around, Jimmy D, we got a... Well, this is it's a guest bedroom. Uh, we have you see the yoga stuff that I have up oh, wow. there in the corner. That's yep, yep, that's yep. what I use to do. I do yoga up here. There's an old style digital clock on the floor. That's right. With uh, I think it's a radio. Is it a <laughs> clock radio? Yeah, it is a clock. You radio. might have to spend a few minutes telling those under the age of twenty five what a <laughs> clock radio is, but it's digital. 
It is digital. And it's got the uh, before daylight savings time you know, time on it. You, you were right. <laughs> I, I have not changed that because it's actually kind of difficult to change on that particular clock. Right. And then we have the TV. That TV that I'm looking at right there, I watch a ton of Dallas Cowboy games. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, yeah. Nice. Or, you know, every time they right. play, right. Like, like a ton of football. And usually, so here's my routine. What I will do is I'll get that. So I, I have a hard time sleeping at night, especially if I've watched a football game, any football game. So I get the yoga mat out and I watch that team. I watch the game. So I kind of relax while I'm watching the game. So I'm not up too late at night. It's very complicated, I gotcha. Jimmy. I gotcha. But it's a very comfortable space. It's a very welcoming space. And uh, and obviously it's like you said it's multi-purpose. <laughs> it There's a looks like a floor lamp from yes. the late '60s. <laughs> yeah, straight from Trader Vic's, right behind your left shoulder. Probably one that your wife said, "Are you kidding me?" <laughs> That's not going downstairs. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Trader Vix. Trader Vix. Yeah, and then I've got my uh, you know, the silver speed cards and you oh, know, nice. All that there you go. Stuff. This yeah. is upscale right here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you could take one of those cards. You got the graphic going. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. It really is good. You've you've done a. You really have done a a, a good service to the recovery community by Thank by you, what Jim. you're doing. And well. I and I know it's it's a. It's an effort that you enjoy, but uh, but your commitment to it should, I think it should be commended. I'd like to commend you for that. Thank you very uh, much. Uh, you know, and like you said, I enjoy, it's a labor of love, for okay. sure. I mean, you know, it enables me to spend time with guys like you on a consistent basis. And uh that I when I would not be able to do such otherwise. I mean, you know, we could always get together. I get it, but when I'm able to come, when I'm able to bring you into my home, and we're able to sit down and we talk about something that we both love and have great respect for and, and honor, and um, it it it's just, it means the world to me. This is like going to a meeting for me for sure. You know, it's sometimes this is the highlight of my weekend. Well. We're two alcoholics gathered together for sobriety, so I think that we certainly would meet the definition of a meeting of AA. Right. Uh, could even start a little group today if we thought we could stand the overhead, but I don't think I don't think we need to do that. But uh, but I guess we could, right? So I um. All right, um, so it's been a while since we got been. together. I guess a year or two, Longer. something like that. Maybe Longer. yeah, probably since. Certainly before March of last year. That's right, before the pandemic yeah, started. Yeah. In fact, I think it was holiday time. It was Thanksgiving, November, December. Yeah. Maybe of the, of, would that be, oh my gosh, it would be 2019. I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. I And I do want to say right on the front of this, I was just uh, I, I'm talking to a friend of mine actually named Lisa in the program that goes to the Frisco group the other day. And she came up and she goes, you know, I really do enjoy your sober speak. And she said, but you have got to have that Jimmy D back on again. <laughs> he is absolutely fantastic. He is by far the best you've ever had. Nice. And so I told well, I'm going to be recording him in a nice. couple of weeks. And so. have you, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't recall the exact date. Did you do your in-person event? No. Reno, that, Reno John's coming. No, that's actually coming up this Friday. Nice. Yeah. Nice. I'm about to talk at his group in the month of December. Oh. Yeah. Very so. nice. 
Reno John. That's yeah. a piece of piece of work. He, right is, there. he is. <laughs> piece of work. Good friend of mine. Yeah. Good AA member. Yeah. Really good AA member. Yeah. All right. So let's dive into some topical information here. So, you know, uh, I, I never know exactly where these things are going to, you know, head once we start them up. You know, as you know, we just kind of say a little prayer on the front of these things and then we let them fly. Uh, we were talking about a lot of stuff off mic before we get started. Yep. In fact, I, I'm always having to, especially with you, because I absolutely love you and you, I'm like, no, 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 stop. I, I want to get that on. <laughs> I want to get that on, on tape, you know? Mm. And uh, so one of the things we were talking about so what we decided to kind of dive into here were the traditions of Alcoholics Anonymous. I don't think we've ever we've tangentially kind of talked about the traditions on several of the episodes, but I don't think we've ever done an actual episode or episodes on the traditions. Um, and you've recently done so, like a workshop on the traditions. I think right? we've done a. In fact, there. There have been, in the, and I think that it uh, coincides with, you know, the world that we find ourselves in. Uh, Alcoholics Anonymous does not exist in a vacuum, and, uh, and we're certainly part and parcel of, you know, what happens in the world at large. And, and, uh, and so as, as, as our home groups have struggled uh, with acclimating to uh, new environments and new ways of carrying the AA message, uh, then uh, then we have looked back to those principles that talk to us about unity. Uh, you know, which are the twelve traditions of Alcoholics Anonymous. I, I don't. I, I think we the traditions are probably implicit in every exchange between multiple two or more members of AA. Uh, even when we're gathered together, sponsor and sponsee the. The traditions, as far as the unity of that relationship, it, you know, they're they're the undergird of uh, of those relationships, um, unspoken, and and don't need to be, you know, fit into, you know, which number does this belong to? Uh, just a composite. Uh, uh, it's how we come together, right? I mean, you know, it's. Uh, it's not necessarily a recipe for disaster, but we know the best, you know, the best long-term sponsorship relationships in Alcoholics Anonymous have had nothing to do with any uh, uh, shared experience outside of, of, of their experience in AA, right? I mean, the guy who, uh, you know, never went past the fourth grade has the sponsor who is, you know, has multiple advanced degrees, right? They don't need to be on the same academic playing field. Uh, the chairman of the bank sponsors a guy that couldn't balance his own checkbook if his life depended on right. it, right? They don't need to be in the same financial, uh, you know, uh, uh, construct. Um, and so those are, th that's really what the traditions are talking to us about, right? There's, there, you know, there's no, there's no qualification except for a problem with drinking, uh, the disease of alcoholism. Yeah. Okay, so then let's start. Well, and and so that is a, a good place to start for the first tradition. Right? I think so. Yeah. Our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon AA. Unity, right? Oh boy, we've seen that over the last uh, couple of years here with the pandemic and such. So, talk to me about some of your general thoughts on that AA 
unity. Well, you know, we've we've been through our own flying blind period. I don't think any member of Alcoholics Anonymous would dispute that we've been through an 18-month period that has been unlike any other since 1935. Um, I had an exchange with uh, one of our trusted servants a month or so ago, and uh, and I said, you know, it really is. It's either 19, you know, right now it's either 1936 or 1940, depending on whether you want to pick the year after Dr. Bob got sober or the year after we published the book. Okay, so there's, there are people that are going to be newcomers to this podcast, right? And they're, right. they're going to be hearing some of this for the first time, and they may not get the connection between 1936 and 1940. So why don't you talk a little bit about So that? June 10th of 1935 is what we all agree to be Dr. Bob's sobriety date. So once that second person... Uh, you know, bought what Bill Wilson was selling, uh, <laughs> AA began, right? Uh, you know, Bill Wilson's sobriety date's coming up. It's just around the corner in December, and I'd say probably 85% of your listeners have no idea when Bill got sober, nor do they care. Right. It's right? The, it's the when the two came Right, together. when the message really gelled, right, when it was successfully carried, such as it was at that time, right, before anything had been, for lack of a better term, codified, uh, you know, there was not even a, a whisper of an idea for a text for the book. Uh, so 1936 being a year into Dr. Bob's sobriety. And do you know the whole story? I, I love the whole story of that. I know bits and pieces of it, but like... That he was hungover when they first met. Right, and, and he had to go into surgery that morning and such. Uh, the first, yeah, his he had two bottles of beer that morning, right? Before he performed that surgery. And for those who don't know, He's his a occupation... proctologist. Right. Dr. Bob was a doctor of proctology, so... <laughs> Absolutely, you wanted him to. Hell, I would have given him the third beer if he needed it, right? <laughs> and, uh, so, Bill. So the story is basically Bill Wilson was with him, and he knew that Bob couldn't do the surgery in the shape that he was in. Right. So he gave him a couple of beers, right? So he could go in, kind of calm his nerves, and do his proctology surgery. And I don't know. You know, I've always been curious about who was the person that he was giving surgery oh i know and you know who's nameless right i don't <laughs> right. i don't know i'm sure there's probably some you know i did a uh it was a, a zoom meeting a couple of them actually uh recently and they're they're doing it maybe even twice a week they're studying alcoholics anonymous comes of age which is you know the history book that bill wrote from 1935 through 1955 when AA came of age when we uh, were five years into, well, we were, yeah, the traditions had been adopted in 50, 1950, and then 55 is when that third legacy of service was adopted by the fellowship. The conference structure had been in its trial period and and it had proven its mettle. Um, but they're studying Alcoholics Anonymous comes of age and they're going line by line in this meeting. So, you, you know, some very... Uh, historical, my, historically minded people, people who are really, I mean, like they even know the name of the cafeteria where they went uh, from the mission, from the Oxford Group mission that was down, I think, on 28th Street or mm -hmm. 24th Street or wherever. Uh, you know, they, they, somebody, there was some little snip of paper that said they go to the Oxford Group meetings 
this is pre-AA, right? They go to the Oxford group meetings and then they would go around and spend time fellowshipping in a cafeteria and they found the name of the cafeteria and what street it was on. And I mean, they're very detailed, right? About all of that. Yeah. And, uh, and so I think they, you know, they would know probably, you know, that, that potted plant that Dr. Bob brought home drunk on mother's day for (laughs) Anne, they'd know the, the version of plant, you know, they'd know if it was Ivy or some kind of Diffenbachia or, you know, whatever he right. slept home and, uh, and then went upstairs and passed out. Right. right. But, uh, but you know, the initial meeting quote unquote didn't work. Right. Dr. Bob went off and got drunk again after they met in the gatehouse, which was the very, you know, the first meeting mm-hmm. that he only committed, you know, Dr. Bob was hung over and we all know what that feels like. And, and he said, you know, he told Anne, I'll give it an hour, right? I can't stay longer than an hour. And they spent all afternoon and into the evening together. Right. And if you want to know what the results of that were, read Dr. Bob's Nightmare. Mm-hmm. Dr. Bob said, you know, what was different about Bill? Because he was the first living human that really knew firsthand what it meant to be alcoholic. Yeah. Yeah. Very deep. Yeah. Okay. Very. Yeah. Okay. So let's. So back on to the uh, first tradition. Okay. Our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon AA unity. When you think about unity and what that means to to Alcoholics Anonymous, I mean, what are some of your first thoughts? That we think about the preservation of the group in a primary sense. Okay, preservation of the group. Preservation of the group. In other words, that uh, you know the 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 long form, right? The the, the non window shade form starts and says each Alcoholics Anonymous member is but a small part of a great whole. AA must continue to live, or most of us would surely die. Individually, we did not seem to engage much success in staying sober on our own. But when we started talking about it, eyeball to eyeball, drunk to drunk, we found that we both got better. And the reason that we gather together is so we present this, you know, unquestionable uh, example that what we're doing works. It works in rough going. So the, the you know, the, the, the idea or the mindset that Alcoholics Anonymous is a self-help program is not supported by any piece of our literature. Okay, so t- talk talk about that a little. What, so what I'm mean? not saying that it doesn't help. For example, I should speak in the first person. Certainly, participation in a in a group of Alcoholics Anonymous has been has been extraordinarily beneficial to my own recovery. But when I've approached Alcoholics Anonymous expecting that AA was going to give me something, oftentimes I've walked away feeling worse than I did when I got there. I've put conditions on Alcoholics Anonymous, mostly unspoken. And Alcoholics Anonymous has not necessarily responded to my specific need in that restricted period of time but when i've gone to to do something 
that's outside of myself. In other words, really to fulfill the tradition of anonymity, which is the other bookend tradition. Uh, I've always come away in much better shape than I was when I arrived. We will be continuing our conversation with Jimmy D in just a moment. Just a reminder, you are listening to Sober Speak. You can find us on the World Wide Web at www.soberspeak.com. You can also find the donate button on our website. You can use if and only if the spirit moves you. Please keep in mind, this is a podcast funded by you, the listener. We are self-supporting organization through our own contributions. All right, so... Okay, so here's what I'm I'm interested in, what I'm thinking about as you're talking, and all that completely makes sense to me. And I'm not trying to throw stones here, but when you think about um, examples or ways or um, uh, ideas that have broken away from that tradition in the past, is there anything that comes to mind for you when you think about that tradition being broken? Yeah, because we we seem to have, and there's there's a you know there's a there's a way to, for lack of a better term, to present this in a palatable way. We we've somehow treated Alcoholics Anonymous as an extension of, uh, you know, some type of self help. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm all, I'm glad you're all here for my sobriety. Gotcha. And I don't want to use that phrase because that's, that would be somewhat maybe insulting to some, right? But I'm glad you're all here for my sobriety. But our, the text of our book says, you know, we should at every turn think about the welfare of others, right? What can we do? Related to, you know, improving the welfare of others or to complement the welfare of others. What's that term I've heard you use before? You say, you know, um, meeting-based sobriety. Meeting-based sobriety. Yeah, what does that mean? Meeting-based sobriety is a, seems to be a fairly tenuous connection to Alcoholics Anonymous. It uh, really is evidenced by restricting your practicing of the program to the formality of an hour. You know, when we, when we march a year ago, when, uh, you know, when the, when the, when the world changed, uh, you know, we have an active and involved public information uh, service area in AA. And, uh, and a lot of that is coordinated through our general service office. Uh, for announcement, for example, annual announcements to magazines, periodicals, print about anonymity, so that perhaps I, if I, as an AA member, was interviewed by the Dallas Morning News, and I'm not familiar with the tradition regarding anonymity, the Morning News is familiar with that tradition and would say, "We won't use your last name." I mean, they would basically inform me, mm-hmm. right? Because that's at the public level, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so those media outlets, uh, numerous media outlets, uh, you know, contacted our public information assignment, our, you know, which is which is staffed by it's tradition eight, right? Staffed by a paid member of AA. Uh, what's going to happen to Alcox Anonymous? What's going to happen to AA 
if you can't physically meet. And it really, all that ultimately ended up in a, a service piece, a, 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 a public, um, not a public service announcement, a, a press release. Mm-hmm. And you can find that press release on AA.org, and the press release speaks to what AA is. And it says, we're not a place. AA is not an address. It's not a, it's not a time on a clock. Alcoholics Anonymous exists 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It, uh, it exists and, uh, and depends on our participation really at the most inopportune times. Uh, you know, the, the new man or woman should not be trained to wait until the meeting starts at noon or 6 p.m. or 8 p.m. in order to bring their problem. <laughs> The new person should have a lifeline or hopefully multiple lifelines that they use when they need to use the lifeline. And by the time they get to the meeting at six, they've got a solution to offer. And the common welfare then comes first. And the individual welfare followed afterward. I got you off track a little bit on the front end when you were talking about how we're back in 1936, 1940. We got into some history and such like that. But what did you mean by that? We're, we're back in 1936 or 1940. Because we've been through a period where there was no resource for us. You know, we are on a daily basis in Alcoholics Anonymous. Let's go to the literature. For example, we're talking about the 12 traditions of Alcoholics Anonymous, practical application, let's say, of the, of the 12 traditions, how, how they're, they're really implicit in the workings of AA, right? So we look back to those traditions and we say, okay, you know, can the, uh, can the non-binary X be a member of Alcoholics Anonymous? We say third tradition, mm-hmm. right? What, what's the purpose of our group? Fifth tradition. Can we accept a television for the raffle from Walmart? (laughs) Seventh tradition. Right. No. Right. Right? So we have things that we can look back to. Uh, What did we do the last time this happened on the planet Earth? No resource. So one of the things that our archives has done over the past 18, 19 months is tried to avail itself of every snippet of material that talks about how Alcoholics Anonymous has continued to carry the message during the pandemic and how we have done that. Podcasts, virtual meetings, every type of format known to man that would try to the best of its ability to uh, effectively replicate what we knew we had always been able to do physically. And those things have become the resource if, by some strange chance, in 50 years, the planet goes through this again, we have the resource from 50 years ago. Let's go and see what they did in 2020. But we can't do that today. So I'm saying 1936 because... When they they looked back, they had no resource. Right. 1940, with 70 people sober and a book a year old, 5,000 copies sitting in a warehouse, <laughs> you know, we couldn't even get Rockefeller to buy 5,000 copies of the book, right, to offload. Uh, we had no resource, right? 
We had our own personal recovery. And we were willing to share that for the most part. Most of us, if not all of us, were willing to do what we needed to do or what we had to do in order to share that with somebody else. And so that first tradition was born out of the fact that, yeah, John was going to Houston on a business trip and taking a train from Dallas to Houston. But if there was a fledgling group or somebody who had written New York from Corsicana, John took a train that took him through Corsicana first so he could visit the new guy. And that wasn't convenient for John. And it didn't fit into the formality of an hour. But John believed that Alcoholics Anonymous would benefit from that, and he did it. So the other, I guess, practical application that I think of when I think about, you know, common welfare should come first, personal recovery depends upon AA unity is the, you know, there have been many times where I sit through decisions being made at a group or on a steering committee or something like that. And I, it's not my opinion of the group should be heading that particular way. Now, I, I want you to give some experience on that as well. But if you would, please, I just explain to people what your, you have a servant position. Right. With Alcoholics Anonymous. I do. Explain to people what your position is and just kind of go through that first. Well, so I'm I'm serving as a member of the General Service Board of Alcoholics Anonymous, which doesn't need to mean anything to anybody except I'm that one of the group of 21 trusted servants that sit on AA's board of trustees, the you know the the General Service Board, which is uh, you know at the lowest level in Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, in the upside-down triangle, uh, groups are at the top, and rightly so. Districts fall below groups. Areas fall below districts. Uh, the General Service Office and the and the boards, the A World Service, which is the publishing board and the General Service Office, the A Grapevine Corporation and the magazine, and then beneath that is the General Service Board of AA. And uh, and so I serve um, as a, m- a member of that board, and, and I'm also a director on the AA World Services Board. And so, and the reason I wanted you to explain that is because you see a lot of different decisions coming down the pike. It, yeah, all the business of that board sources in the fellowship. Okay. Uh, the only thing that the board is perhaps challenged to do that would not be an idea that sourced in the fellowship is Bill charged the board with vision, being able to look three years, five years, 10 years, 15 years. What do we think AA might need? What do we think AA might look like? How do we think AA might function more effectively? It's really an expansion of the fifth tradition uh, it falls into those things called the 12 concepts for world mm-hmm. service, but it's really an expansion of, you know, the, the purpose of the, of the, the mission of the general service board is very simple. It's to serve the fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous. That's its, that's its mission. But in order to do that, there's an expansion of exactly what that might mean in order to, to help the board be most effective. Okay, so if you would, I'd like you to address a couple of things. Number one, when you see disagreement 
uh, and you know people want they want to see a different outcome to these particular decisions coming right and you have to apply that first tradition you know the common welfare of aa coming first what's your experience like though that and how do you see that uh, play out and then the other thing is that i don't know what you can or can't talk about uh, but when you think about the vision of AA and what sort of recommendations that you guys have made moving forward, if there's anything you can discuss there. Well, the board in and of itself, it can only make, it makes very few decisions. Uh, Our conference, which is, you know, elected delegates and the trustees and some staff members are all members of this annual meeting that we call the General Service Conference, the conference body. But uh, but and that that is a week long group conscience meeting. It's exactly what it is. It's a group conscience. If you can imagine that last for days and days and days <laughs> doing the business of AA. Uh, example from this year's conference. Changing in the word of the wording of the preamble. Yeah, I heard about that. That's a conference decision. That. So when we say, so we, talk to people about yeah, that decision. So when we say we heard about it, if the service structure, if the structure is working at, per its design, we would have begin. We would have begun to hear about that two and possibly three years ago. That there were suggestions that sourced in the fellowship to change the wording of the preamble. There were several different suggestions, but the one that ultimately rose to the top was to change men and women to people. Now, a controversy lies in the fact that many, many AA members appear to have not heard about the change until after the change was made. Okay, so let's just so there's going to be some people who don't know what you're talking about. Exactly. So I just want to make sure that I... Uh, say so, so most Alcoholics Anonymous meetings, there is a preamble that's read. And the preamble says, you know, we alcoholics are, it has to as men and women who have, and then it goes on to the whole thing. But what you're saying is, is that now it says we are people who have such and such. And I could see discussions happening during that, that there would have been some sort of disagreement. And then that's where you have to kind of apply the first tradition, right? Our, our common welfare should come first. So I'm curious as the, the, the process that went So by. what happened initially is over the course of a couple of years, this idea was vetted. In other words, the idea came from a member or group of members in the U.S.-Canada Fellowship, and it made its way to the conference assignment at the General Service Office, and then it went to the Grapevine Board, because the Grapevine Board is, is, is effectively the trustee committee that would handle anything that had to do with the Grapevine, and the AA Grapevine holds the copyright on the preamble, because the preamble was introduced to the fellowship via the Grapevine magazine. So Grapevine has the copyright on the preamble. So the Grapevine Board discussed the merits of the change the positive and negative aspects of the change, and then forwarded it to the conference, right? Because the ultimate decision-making authority is the fellowship represented by the conference, okay? So idea comes from the fellowship, takes a little trip through the board. The board sends it through to the conference, so basically back to the fellowship, 
to this smaller, much smaller representative body, right? Rather than polling individual groups, which would be unwieldy. <laughs> there are 66,000 of them. And that's just the ones registered, right? Yes, that's just the ones that are registered. There are so many who are right? not registered. So that, there, was, there was long de- and healthy debate about the merits of the change. And ultimately, a floor action at the conference prevailed, and the change was made. And so, do you have to have like sixty percent of what's the two thirds? Two thirds. Okay, so two thirds. Two thirds of a hundred and thirty-five total voting members, right? Gotcha. So, but then. Once the conference closed and the meetings in April, right, it was virtual again this year, right? So it was all via Zoom. Um, Once the conference closed, then our delegates, you know, there's a representative, a delegate from each service area in the U.S. and Canada. The delegates went home to report, you know, the outcome of the business meeting. And one of the reports, of course, was that the wording of the preamble changed. Now, you've shared that your home group, you know, accepted and implemented the change. My home group did not. Well, and let me say this. Our home group is, they, there there are murmurs, you know. All I know is that it was, uh, all of a sudden it had changed. And And it was changed, though, because it came down from, the bottom or came up from the bottom, right. however you want to phrase that. Um, uh, but, but I did hear some, you know, murmurs kind of going back and forth, uh, but they, but more than anything, I just wanted to see how the sausage is being made. Right. And I think that, and this is a good example of, it really is a, it, we can loop it right back to the first tradition, which means you don't have to be, nor should you really be, a general service representative to be aware of what's going on in the fellowship that you belong to. Availing ourselves of information that affect the health and well-being of the movement. Availing ourselves of that information, in other words, making sure that our general service representative is reporting regularly to the group, which really requires that I attend the group conscience meeting. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you know, that, that, that's a, that's a, let's say a more than adequate representation of the, of the membership of the group. And that's about the, the health and, and, uh, and welfare, the common welfare, the, the welfare of the group. Okay. So like you said, our group is, uh, saying people now, as opposed to men and women, uh, you said your group is not doing that, though, right? Right. So, was there a discussion about that, or yes? Had, so, and can you talk about that discussion? I mean, without uh, was it, it, it for us? It was. It, it did not appear to be uh, something that we felt necessary to implement. We felt like that the third tradition guarantees inclusivity of all human beings that would approach Alcoholics Anonymous looking for an answer and that, uh, you know, using, let's say, terms that could be perceived as some some might perceive as being not inclusive enough, i.e. men and women, if you don't identify with either sex, was a non-issue when it came to recovery from alcoholism. 
Yeah, very interesting. And so this kind of gets into another tradition, which we'll cover some other time, but autonomy, right? In other words, even though it came from the bottom up or the top down, however you want to look at that, right? But the decision was made uh, that the preamble was changed as a group. We still have the autonomy to say, thanks, but no thanks. Right. You know, we know you guys up there in New York are trying your best or whatever the case may be, but this is how we see it or whatever, right? Right, right. This is what we think is working for us. This is how we're able to effectively fulfill, you know, our fifth tradition. Yeah. You know, you can go to groups that don't read the preamble at all. For example, on the flip side of this, uh, as an example, there are, there are a lot of meetings that I've, you know, attended, either, you know, been the speaker or, or, you know, just gone to attend that are not my home group where, you know, they don't read the 12 traditions. They might read the tradition of the month. They might not read anything that even remotely approaches a tradition. That would be a no-sell in my home group. <laughs> We're going to read the traditions, right? We're going to read the 12 traditions, and we will not pass the basket while we're reading the traditions. I mean, there's going to be no distraction when the traditions are being read. Now, we can't force people to listen to any of that, right? <laughs> right. But we make sure that we that we give that adequate airspace. My old home group, now no longer meeting, the Big Book group, when we talk about autonomy and the fourth tradition, might as well just bring a... A uh, heinous example of the fourth tradition that I had first person experience with. You know, we had three meetings a week at that group when I was there, uh, first five and a half years of my sobriety. We had two closed meetings, one on Monday night, one on Thursday night, and we had an open speaker meeting, which we called the showcase meeting because it, you know, it showcased AA for anybody who wanted to come see on Saturday night. And as soon as our speaker approached the podium, we poured the coffee out. Because we didn't want anybody being distracted by thinking that they could go refill coffee while we had someone invited to our group behind our podium. Right. Now, there are a lot of AA members that I know and love, good friends of mine, (laughs) who think that is insane. (laughs) And why would anybody ever do that to an AA member, right? <laughs> right. And, uh, and that was part of our group conscience. It was, it, it, was, it, it was to avoid distraction, right? Think about the coat and tie deal. Should I even go there, right? <laughs> right. I mean, you know, there's, you know, whisp- the whisper game is rife in AA about all sorts of stuff, right? Uh, you know, and it doesn't, but that we're talking about common welfare. It's not helpful to perpetuate gossip, whether you're in a group member or not. Oh, well, you can get a date over there <laughs> if you go at 6 o'clock or, you know, whatever, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Or my home group, for example, we have to wear a coat and tie or a skirt to go to the meeting over there, right? Completely false in both instances for the most part, right? Uh, if we invite you to come and share your story, we would ask you if you mind Wearing a coat and tie behind the A podium or pantsuit or a dress if you you know, if you identify as female. Mm. And uh and so that's again, it's part of the four tradition. But it when we talk about common welfare, I wanna I, I'd like to just kind of spend a couple of minutes talking about the welfare of AA 
you know, I, I, I've not ever been a member of your home group, but the health and well-being of your home group is vitally important to me. What do you mean? Whatever I can do to support your home group helps AA be stronger. And I'm vested in that. I'm vested in that. And that doesn't mean I come to the group conscience and, you know, try to influence some decision-making process. But it does mean that I make sure that any man that I sponsor, for example, is always willing to say yes whenever a request might come. Uh... If there's something like the intergroup anniversary or chili cook-off or, or some information that I know is is available that's really, you know, Dallas AA or AA-wide, right? You always try to make sure that there are as many groups as possible that are informed and given the opportunity given the opportunity to actively participate in that. That's part of the that's part of the common welfare of AA. Um, if, uh, if I attend a meeting at your group and, uh, when the meeting's over and has, nobody's ever asked me and nobody's ever told me not to, but I look around and if there are any styrofoam cups, I pick up the cups. I pick up the cups because I want to make sure that we leave it better than we found it. And that's no slide to any home group member. It's just talking about what can I do? Look at what this group has done for me. What can I do to try to help per- perpetuate the health and well-being of this place? Well, Jimmy, as you know, on the front end of this, we thought about how far we were going to get with even <laughs> one tradition. <laughs> And, uh, well, I didn't know if we were going to get through two or three or whatever the case may be, but we're just going to, we're just going to have to get some time together again. (laughs) That is tradition one. All right. I remember the first time I ever recorded you, um, we were going through your story and we ran out of time and you were like, I hadn't even gotten sober yet. I didn't even get sober yet. I got to invite me back. So they, so I get sober. I've been, I've been, I haven't been on, on mic in a couple of years. I'm glad that everybody noticed my sobriety date didn't change. <laughs> I've been offline, but I haven't been offline. <laughs> All right. So will you come back and join me again? Absolutely. Anytime. Okay. What a pleasure. You, oh, this what is, a pleasure. What a pleasure. Is, I really just, uh, oh, I enjoy talking to you. It's an education, you know, and We've talked about this for you. I mean, first of all, your you know your voice just comes across fantastic. Uh, you're like Gary Kay and some of the others, and <laughs> and and uh, you know you just have this gift of being able to spin a yarn. You know, and uh, I and think it, we're you know we're a society of storytellers. Mm-hmm. We're a society of storytellers, and uh, and our experience is what we bring. And so when we talk about this common welfare. Uh, I like to think about, you know, uh, improving our ability to engage in pavement time. You know, one of the things that we know that you, you, that we that we've attempted to do uh, is emulate that spirit, that energy that we always ha- replicate. I would think is probably a more appropriate word. Repl- replicate what we know we actually feel when we're in the room. 
And in the virtual environment or in the hybrid environment, that's going to that's gonna take, I think, more effort on our part in order to make sure that, that, that we emulate that, mm-hmm. right? Uh, if I'm not in a, and I know this is probably, you know, maybe not politically correct, but it, it's bad form to join a Zoom meeting and turn your camera off. Mm-hmm. It's really hard for the people that need to have that engagement, mm-hmm. Right. I mean, that's a, that's that's the, the you know, the intimate personal connections are happening through sight. And it's difficult. And I, and I don't I don't want to you know, I, I'm not here in any way to offend anyone. I'm just saying from the from the standpoint of uh, looking at, you know, uh, participating in these meetings, many, many of these meetings, as I'm sure all the listeners have. Right. I'm so thankful that we were quick. Uh, you know, we were nimble for once, mm-hmm. right? Uh, in uh, in making sure that we were responsive to what had been visited, and so if it's you know it's going to continue in the in the long term. Again, we're really in our first year and a half of, uh, and I know it's not new technology to everybody, but to the majority of members of AA, it's it's a fairly new adventure. And, uh, and, you know, let's not, let's not make it where it's like these rooms that we know we go into and it's just like walking through syrup <laughs> and you think, what happened to everybody? Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, I'm sober today, John. Or are you sober today? Oh yeah, I'm sober today. I'm, I'm going to turn my camera off cause <laughs> I'm just, you know, not ready for prime time or whatever. And, uh, you know, think about what we what we needed to feel when we were new, mm-hmm. and how we needed to engage. What brought us back wasn't material. What brought us back had no relationship to the material. It wasn't about you know the dynamic topic or that we shared stuff that peeled paint off the walls or any of that other stuff. It was really about the fact that we had somebody that engaged with us. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that spirit uh, needs to be magnified, not diminished. Uh, we're a society that we're not in peril, uh, but, uh, but we need vision. We need vision. Thank you, Jimmy. All right, so I'm going to wrap it up with page 164 of the big book here. And it says, abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit. And you will surely meet some of us, like me and Jimmy D. As you trudge the road of happy destiny, may God bless you and keep you until then. Jimmy, I look forward to having you back on soon. Thank you, John. Thank you very much. As always, Mr. Jimmy D., thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I know that the listeners always appreciate your insight in regards to not only the traditions, but your personal experience within Alcoholics Anonymous. You're just fantastic. Thank you for all your service that you do for uh, this society of ours. I so much appreciate it. And we will have Jimmy D back at another time to talk about tradition too. So you can look forward to that uh, in a near upcoming episode. Now, 
On to a little bit of listener feedback. Dennis writes in and Dennis says, I, John, I am currently 18 hours sober. Wow. Uh, he says, like many, I have had an illustrious career of drunken selfishness. I am married with six children and I just turned 51 years old. Things are bad right now, and my wife and I are separating. I think I have done it. I, I think I've done it this time, and I will lose my wife. Thank you for your show. I need it right now, Dennis. Well, you know, Dennis, thanks for writing in. Uh, I'm sorry that you're going through what you're going through. I have seen situations like this, though, turn out. <sighs> I've seen them turn out good and I've seen them turn out not so good, you know, and anyway, I hope you get plugged into a group there locally, get a sponsor, uh, and just do all the right things one day at a time, one step at a time. My prayers go out to you and your wife and your children. God bless you. Coop writes in and Coop says, uh, John, I cannot thank you enough for all that you do with the podcast, as well as the service to others. I feel as though Sober Speak, which I found by accident, was a divine intervention on my behalf from my higher power, as well as my trip to Akron, which was inspired by you and my higher power. You know, I I can't remember. My guess is... I talked about my trip to uh, Akron on one of the episodes, uh, and that may be the reference you're uh, making, but forgive me, I can't remember. Anyway, Coop says, my sobriety is renewed now, and with the addition of Mr. Gary Kay, I feel like I'm looking out at the world through brand new glasses, and the view is breathtaking. Please keep up the fantastic work you are doing. You are helping more people than I believe you. we could count. Thanks again, Coop. That's very kind, Coop. Uh, you know, we're all in this together. And I, and just for those of you who are wondering what he meant by Gary Kay there, uh, I was able to matchmake, if you will, him and Gary Kay. And I know Gary Kay is, I believe, taking him through the steps right now and uh, working on those steps with him. And I'm I'm so happy for you, Coop. Uh, Gary Kay is an outstanding guy. God bless you. Andy writes in and Andy says, hi, John, this is Andy W. I'm a physician in Missouri in, for, in recovery for 12 years. Due to my extremely busy medical practice, I have had a hard time making it to three meetings a week, but I need it. So online recovery shows and AA speakers have become very important to me. With COVID, the added stress and hours, the challenges of the last two years, it has been critical to me. I listen to either an AA speaker or a recovery show about five nights a week when I go to bed as I'm working on charts in the evenings. Your show is both entertaining and spiritually fulfilling. I enjoy the interviews where you go deep into a step or a concept. Example, Bill C., Charlie P., Reno John, to name a few. I have gained much recovery 
wisdom, and spiritual insight from your show. But also, my mind is always rattling at me. I understand that, Mr. Andy. Uh, I, uh, rattling at me, it won't shut up at night. Damn committee. <laughs> I get that, Andy. So when I put on your show, it really helps me to relax and calm down before I go to sleep, sets the stage for my prayer, and infuses my mind with solid recovery talk in lieu of a late night meeting. Podcasts don't replace meetings, of course, but I think we are on the cusp of a brewing recovery movement. You, John, are a pioneer. Well, I don't know about that. I think there's a lot of people who have done this before me, but I appreciate it, Andy. He says, I know this is this because I know I know this because I know how much this type show benefits me to stay sober and more importantly infuses my life with steps with the steps for living. I want to thank you for the show. Please keep up the in-depth step shows and the high quality interviews. God bless Andy W. Wow, Andy. Um, that is really cool. Thank you for all your kind words and, and thank you for giving back to the community and your medical practice and otherwise. And, uh, uh, thank you for all you've done, uh, um, for, Oh, gosh, the nation for what it's been going through for the past couple of years. We appreciate you. And finally, Michelle writes in and Michelle says, Hi, John, I am emailing you to get information about the Sober Speak episode with the woman who writes letters to inmates. I cannot remember her name and I would like to get her information. My friend and I, who has been sober for 17 years, we want to write to a woman in prison that we want to write to women in prison that are trying to get sober in jail. Could you please pass her information on to me? I greatly appreciate it. Peace and love. Stay well. Michelle M. from Hopkinton, Massachusetts, and a big peace sign and a big heart sign. Excuse me, Michelle, that's fantastic. So as you know, I wrote you back. And if there's anybody else out there who was interested in this service, uh, the, the name of the lady who was on the podcast in the past, her name is Carol L. I replied, got you in contact. I think Carol L got you some information. And that is so cool that you're trying to think of ways that you can give back, uh, uh, especially to people who are incarcerated. I absolutely love it. All right, everybody, that is another episode concluded of Sober Speak. We take this one week at a time. Hope to be back next week. Until, oh, may God bless you and keep you until then. Keep coming back. It works if you work it. God bless y'all.